is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Allie here with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo, and it's another weekend. Welcome to the Mulberry Lane Show. Right. Well, so glad you guys are hanging out with us today. We know there's many things you could be doing with your time. Yep, many choices, and you guys chose to be here, so we love that about you. Okay, girls, let's get to those guests. The Mulberry Lane Show's on Celebrity story songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now Okay guys, as you know, sad musical news this week Legendary icon Glenn Campbell passed away after a long battle with Alzheimer's Now his family has been very open about Glenn's struggles And recently there was a movie about Glenn's struggle called I'll Be Me At the time the movie came out, Glenn's wife, his daughter, the producer of the film And the producer of the soundtrack joined our show to chat with you all about the movie And we thought to pay tribute today to Glenn Campbell and everything he has contributed to the music business, we would replay that interview. So that will be first up today. Yeah, so we really hope you guys enjoy our tribute today to Glenn Campbell. And the song All Be Me is the true tale of how America's greatest country star would not give up his music or his family against all odds. Like a rhinestone cowboy. Okay, Allie, who's next? All right, well then, you'll hear part two of our chat with John Cooper, frontman of the multi-platinum Christian rock band Skillet. Now today, John talks about how Skillet really rides the line between hard rock music and Christian music. And you'll hear about how fans are really resonating with the realness that defies genres. And it's paying off because they have sold multiple millions of albums. All right, Rachel, what's next? And then you'll hear from Steve Byrne. Now, he's a comedian who will have you laughing. He's got a Showtime on-demand special called Tell the Damn Joke. And believe me, he will tell some damn jokes today. (laughs) Yes. Now, you can stream his special whenever you want on Showtime. It's also on Hulu. All right. And then we're going to wrap it up with Christian band Unspoken. Start a fire in my soul. Fan the flame and make it grow. Well, you heard that first part of the interview in a previous episode. You'll hear the second part with Chad Matson. This part, Chad gets a little more into his addiction and recovery from that and how it's affected his outlook on music and how they are touching lives with their message. Chad is outspoken about Unspoken today. So go ahead and download the latest album by Unspoken called Follow Through. You guys can follow through on that. <laughs> Good idea. Okay, Allie, your daughter Clover had surgery earlier this week, and we're so happy everything went well, and she's doing great. Yes, Rachel, she really is. And I have a little cute story to share about before she went into surgery, her brother Luke gave her a stuffed Pokemon, an Eevee, and he handed it to Clover, and she took it and she hugged it, and I just reminded her, oh, you gotta say thank you. And she said, say thank you like an angel. And I said, uh-huh. And she said, but 
mommy, I don't want to be an angel. I want to be Supergirl. And I thought, you know, when you have to have a surgery, that is the best attitude to go in with. She was Supergirl. She was. And anyway, she's recuperating really well. Her surgeon was very happy with how everything went. Well, Clover's my superhero. And my angel. <laughs> Shh, I'm not going to tell her. That's for mom. Yeah, that's for mom. <laughs> All right, keep her right here with the Mulberry Lane Show. Right after the break, a tribute to the late, great Glenn Campbell. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. Brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. I got all my sisters with me. We are family. Bringing you the stories behind the songs. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Well, we wanted to share with you this re-airing of a special interview in order to honor the life and legacy of Glenn Campbell, who passed away earlier this week. So in this next segment, we interviewed Glenn's wife of 30 years, Kim Campbell, his daughter, Ashley Campbell, and James Keach, the producer and director of the Glenn Campbell documentary, I'll Be Me, which highlights Glenn Campbell's struggle with Alzheimer's. This segment also features our chat with Julian Raymond, who produced and co-wrote a powerful song with Glenn Campbell from the film. The song is called I'm Not Gonna Miss You, and it's the last song that Glenn ever recorded. So let's get to it now. Glenn Campbell, music and memories. I'll be me. Welcome to the show, Julian, Ashley, Kim, and James. Thank you. Good morning. That was awesome. I like right. that song. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, James, let's start with you. Now, as the director producer of this film, initially you didn't want to take this project on because of the depressing nature of Alzheimer's. So what changed your mind? Well, I met Glenn and Kim, and that quickly changed my mind. Glenn came in and immediately, uh, my son Johnny, who's named after Johnny Cash, okay. and Julian was working with on his music, had a guitar in his hand, and Glenn said, hey, I play guitar. Oh. Said, you want me to show you some stuff? Mm. And he, Johnny, of course, said yes, and Glenn picked up the guitar and just shredded it, handed it back to Johnny, and then about two minutes later went, hey, I play guitar. Oh. Want me to show you some stuff? <laughs> There, there was the Alzheimer's, and there was the musical genius, and there was this loving sweetheart of a man, and uh, all of my trepidation was disappeared immediately. The humanity of it got yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you followed the family for a few years, plus you had all of the footage from, you know, Glenn's career. So how did you put it together and present a story that has hope, but yet showed the intricacies of the disease? Well, uh, we put it together very carefully over a period of three years of careful editing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't edit for three years, but we had 1,200 hours of footage. So, That's amazing. Um, daunting. It, yeah, it was daunting, but, but yet it one moment informed the next. And, okay. and, uh, and we tracked the, the disease. We tracked Glenn and his memory. We also followed the family and their journey with him and their struggle. And the whole thing was so uplifting and, and life-affirming. Mm -hmm. And so what seemed to be daunting actually became something that was very inspirational. Almost a gift, really. Yeah. Now, Kim, your strength and honesty supporting the man you love, how hard was it to walk this journey and have it filmed? It didn't really seem hard. We were all together as a family, and we were enjoying being on the road and just celebrating Glenn. And, mm -hmm. you know, the hard part was the Alzheimer's side of things. Sure, right. It was hard to make sure Glenn got enough rest and... 
And the demands of a touring schedule, too. Yeah, it was very demanding. And mm-hmm. then traveling on a bus together <laughs> across the country mm-hmm. it was, you know, tiring at times, but also a lot of fun. If you've just joined us here on the Mulberry Lane Show, we're talking with director-producer James Keach of the Glenn Campbell documentary, I'll Be Me. Also today with us is Kim Campbell, Glenn Campbell's wife, their daughter, Ashley Campbell, Julian Raymond, Glenn's music producer and writer of the Grammy and Oscar-nominated song, I'm Not Gonna Miss You, from the Glenn Campbell documentary. You know, a lot of people, when the family gets a diagnosis of someone with Alzheimer's, you know, they hunker down, but... Your family went on tour. And the amazing thing about that was him playing and performing and doing what he had done for so many years kind of kept his disease at bay. Yeah, uh, the doctors all told us that they thought that the music really helped keep his brain active and all the neurons firing and probably helped him plateau and keep from digressing um, more rapidly than he would have otherwise. Uh Uh-huh. So music is a very powerful memory aid, Mm -hmm. and it's healing and therapeutic, and it it was good for him, it was good for us. Yes. Kim, what do you want people to take away from the film? Well, there are millions of Americans and people worldwide that are, you know, diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and it takes so many people to care for these people that they need a huge support group and it should be approached with love and laughter and you should keep living your life Mm -hmm. you don't have to hide away yeah and that's a great message now ashley you and your brothers you were part of your dad's band and you played the goodbye tour over 150 dates on the road as a family with all the ups and downs so what did you personally take away from that time in your life that experience Well, it was honestly one of the best times of my life thus far. Um, But personally, I took away just all the quality time that I spent with my dad and with my family, with my brothers and my mom. And, and of course, everyone on tour became family. So it was just like, it's so indescribable how how amazing the whole experience was. Do you think you fully understood your dad's musical legacy before this tour? Definitely not. Okay. Um, I learned so much about the depth of his talent and and his emotion and it was mind-blowing do you think you became you performed from a deeper place having gone through this definitely my dad just kind of what i learned from him was just about being honest on stage and just not trying to hide anything just being you and you know putting everything you have on the plate yeah you can take that into not just the performing life but life in general really definitely Mm -hmm. now Julian you wrote the song I'm not gonna miss you which is the last song that Glenn has recorded you got the legendary wrecking crew back together to record it how did you get that amazing vocal from Glenn and this was after the tour had ended and you know he was deteriorating how did that it was magical well thanks I mean he's just amazing I mean it just you know it took a little bit of time but for the most part I mean he's still has that great voice yeah. and that great sense of timing mm-hmm. and he loved the song he, he loved the lyrics it's something we would kind of worked on it didn't really take that long to get it together but he just he's just got that thing I, I don't know how he does it or how he yeah. pulled it off but he did it and he did it great and he was very passionate about it as he is with everything he does musically and he was it was an amazing day I mean I'll never forget it it was uh-huh. incredible uh-huh. and you've worked with him throughout his career 
I just did two records prior to that. I did uh, Ghost on the Canvas, and okay. the first thing I worked with was a, an album called Meet Glenn Campbell. And uh, just those two records, and we became friends, and, and the family was involved from, from top to bottom. And we got James involved. And you brought that. James to the project, because yeah. you really believed that this was a story that needed to be seen. I, I felt that way, because I was so passionate about the family and Glenn and his legacy, and... and and I loved James's work, and I loved James's family. So it all felt like a great fit to me, and I just suggested it one day, and it kind of happened just naturally. He agreed, you know, as a friend of mine, just to meet with Glenn, just to see what, you know, what would come of it, and luckily it worked out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of public figures participated in the film who have been touched by the disease. You have to agree with what Bill Clinton said in the movie, that, you know, maybe Glenn's greatest contribution was not just his music, but just opening up his life and his story about Alzheimer's. Absolutely. So Kim, Ashley, Julian, and James, we want to thank you so much for sharing the story with us, and we want to thank you, all of you, for being here today. And thank you for your great singing. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Okay. Take care. That was James Keach, movie director and producer, Julian Raymond, music producer, Kim Campbell, Glenn's wife, and Ashley Campbell, Glenn's daughter. All here to tell you about the film, Glenn Campbell, I'll Be Me. Now this was a re-airing of this interview in honor of Glenn's passing earlier this week. We'll be right back on the Mulberry Lane Show with frontman of the band Skillet, John Cooper. Now here's Glenn Campbell's I'm Not Gonna Miss You, the last song he recorded. I'm still here, but yet I'm gone I don't play guitar or sing my songs I never defined who I am The man that loved you till the end You're the last person I will love You're the last place I will recall And best of all I'm not gonna miss you Meet the celebrities on your radio station Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, last weekend you heard the first part of our interview with lead singer of Skillet, John Cooper. Right now you're going to rejoin John and continue to hear all about his musical journey, how Skillet rides that line between Christian music and contemporary music, how it's hard to please both the Christian community and the hard rock community, but they're doing a fabulous job of it. You're going to get more behind-the-scenes look at Skillet with John right now. Here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Did you always have that point of view that when you received criticism from the Christian community or even from the rock side that it didn't bother you? Or did you have to get to the place where you just kind of said, well, everyone's going to have an opinion and I'm just going to keep doing what we're doing? I think that I've uh, been on a roller coaster as far as all of those feelings. Okay. I think I always handled it pretty well, to Uh tell you the truth. Because I kind of knew where they were coming from. I grew up in a religious family that, in fact, believed that, like, Christian rock music was like the devil's music. You know, drums were evil, guitars evil. So I grew up not being able to even listen to the genre. So I kind of knew where people were coming from, so I had a bit of grace. I have had a few moments of, all right, I'm really frustrated, and 
I feel like this like righteous anger at the church for how stupid we can be sometimes and how irrelevant we can be from the rest of the world. And I've had those moments, but they've been brief, to tell you the truth. To be 100% frank, when you sell 12 million records, you kind of stop caring about things like that. It's like, yeah. all right, you know what? They might not like it. We're selling a lot of records. I don't really care what they think. It's not impeding what I do. And you're making yeah, the difference you, you know, want to make. You're touching the people. Yeah, that's right. You know, when you see people coming to shows that come up to you and they say, hey, I heard your music and this song inspired me to check into rehab for drugs. You know, I got clean and sober and I got my kids back, changed my life. You eat know, all that stuff and you realize that wouldn't be happening if these songs were for church people only. And right. so I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm totally thrilled doing it. So back at the beginning of things, did it ever occur to you to go down the rock path and not the Christian path? Not really. I always just wanted to do both, which we're lucky enough to do now, which is kind of crazy, but I never knew that that would be hard to do both. I just thought, well, why not? I think people just must not really want to. And I've come to find out it's not the case that people don't want to. It's that it's it's really difficult. In fact, even just recently, you know, we're on tour right now with, you know, Corn and Stone Sour and this big rock tour and going to places and, uh, finding out, you know, the stations that were playing won't play our song. You know, okay. it, was a, it was a number one song at their format, and they wouldn't play it because we were a Christian band, you know. Wow. So you still get a little bit of that going on, which I'm kind of amazed at, but I always knew that I wanted to sing about my faith. Evangelism, telling my friends about Jesus, it's just who I am. Uh, so I always knew I would be singing songs about that and being open and talking about that. I talk about it in all my interviews and on stage and stuff like that. And then on the other side, did you feel like Christian programmers are also biased against some of your music as well? Uh, maybe a little, okay. yeah. I think there's a little bit of like, this band doesn't really fully belong here, or they're too loud, or they look too crazy, or, or what have you. I think that's in the process of changing now, funny enough, after you know this long, 20 years. I think that they're beginning to kind of understand our heart a little bit more, but we've always been a little rough around the edges for certain ones. Not in our lifestyles, but in the way we look. And, you know, my voice, a little too raspy for a lot of those formats, Uh I've been told. (laughs) I remember I was on tour with Toby Mack a few years ago, Uh and this promoter came up to me, and he goes, man, I got to tell you, first time I heard your record, I mean, he, he, this is what he said. He started out like that, and I thought he was about to compliment me because he was so sincere. First time I heard your record, I turned it on, and I said, oh, Jesus, finally, I, I'm going to get to meet this guy and tell him, you're going to lose your voice. You shouldn't be singing like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. And they're like, you really need to see a doctor. Have you been talking to anyone? And he was calling friends to get a voice specialist in. Uh, and every time I do an interview, I call on the phone and I, you know, just like I do now, and I go, hey, how's it going? I'm John. And they go, oh, I can tell you've been singing. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you just sound so raspy. I'm like, this is the way I talk, man. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, chatting with John Cooper, lead singer of Christian rock band Skillet. So now talk about how you guys record in the studio. How do you approach recording? Now I set up Pro Tools in my bus, and, you know, you do it in there, and it's so easy. So now I would say most of the fun and the creative side, the fun side, now happens actually just on computers with my wife. You know, you can try so many different things so quickly. Even without recording guitars, you can get synthesizers on computers that sound enough like a guitar to know what it will sound like. So we tried, and I don't like that chord. You try something else, and then you go back later, and you layer those guitars over and over. So most of the creative side just happens with me and Corey 
sitting in the back of the bus. So you do writing, a lot of pre-production you know, what, before you actually record. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say 60, 70% of the song is done before we quote, quote, record. Okay. Go into the studio, get some drum sounds. And usually I'll go in the studio and actually sing with somebody because I can pay attention a little bit better. But yeah, we do a ton of pre-production on the front end. But it took me a long time to embrace that because it felt fake to me. It felt like not keeping it real, you know, as a rock and roll band. It was right. Does that make sense? You know, yes. kind of like, that's not really how we used to do it back in the day, but you kind of got to embrace it. It's the future. Once you do embrace it, you learn new things. And, and you find and your you, own you creativity within it. You bring yourself to the yeah, project. That's yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Another question for you. How do like the guys in Corn and some of the rock bands on the non-Christian side, how do they accept you? You know, honestly, I've had nothing but really great experiences. Uh, we've been touring with secular bands for 10 years now and, yeah. and become really good friends, sometimes in the most unlikely of, uh, of people. You know, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, you know, is one of my favorite people I've met in this business, and that's a band that people think is seems to be kind of very anti-religion or, uh-huh. <laughs> or what have you, but we get along great. His wife and my wife got to be good friends. In fact, his wife came out on tour with us and worked for us for a little while and stuff like that. So, you know, we've gotten to be really great friends, and I I think it goes both ways. I think Skillet is not a very, uh, we're not judgmental, and and we don't expect people to not cuss around us or drink beer, whatever they want to do. We don't kind of have those kind of expectations. We just kind of try to be, I might sound cheesy or trite, but it's obvious, try to be like Jesus, you know? Not to be a real mean person, but I like hanging out with sinners, a lot more than I like hanging out with people who say they're Christians but act like sinners. It makes me so mad as I go into a Christian bands and I see them doing the same things as secular bands are doing. And So you kind of like people, if they talk the talk, they should walk the walk. Yeah, that's right. It's not that you want to be judgmental, but like, hey, hey a tree's got to bear some fruit here. You know, what's going on? We're on stage represent we're ambassadors of christ right. i mean as a christian everybody should have that accountability whether you're on stage or not but if you're going to stand up on stage and be like hey hey look at me look at the light look at the light then you, you got to live in the light man so i i don't mess around when it comes to that stuff with my band members i don't see the point in it so yeah i like uh people that sin and hate god i can hang out with them and have a great time no problem this has been cool. such a fascinating talk, yeah. and it's so awesome to get the perspective of someone who truly has been a trailblazer, bringing the rock side to Christian. Well, that's really nice. Thank you. John, thank you for joining the show. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and you'll have to come back when the next music is ready to be thank released. You. John Cooper, frontman of the band Skillet, here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Well, changing gears a little bit, we're coming back with Showtime comedian Steve Byrne. He has a new Showtime on-demand special called Tell the Damn Joke. So get ready for some laughs. And right now, with some music from Skillet, time to feel invincible. Music, arts, and lifestyle. 
back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Well, he's back. Comedian Steve Byrne, creator and star of the hit show Sullivan and Son, which aired for three seasons on TBS. Well, he's back today to give you the 411 on his new Showtime stand-up comedy special, Tell the Damn Joke. Steve Byrne, get ready, folks. Showtime special, tell the damn joke. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's my new ringtone. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, so now give us the scoop on this special. Well, the scoop is, um, you know, I got I got a little girl, I got a little boy, I got the wife, so I'm talking about, like, a lot of lessons I've learned throughout the course of my life that I want to relay to my children as they get older, and anybody, like, you know, starting their life in their 20s, so that's kind of okay. the basis of it. But it's an advice show. <laughs> it's an advice show. It's my Dr. Phil Power okay. special, but I call it Tell the Damn Joke because it refers to a moment in the show where I'm recalling asking my wife for permission to tell a joke about her and she kind of had a big butt at the time so (laughs) so I asked can I make a joke about that and she said you know we went through all these reasons and then eventually she just capitulated and said Steve tell the damn joke (laughs) okay so so you got her permission (laughs) yeah I got her permission and a a great title out of it hopefully yes yes. okay so now how old are your kids my daughter is five and my son is a year and a half okay so you've probably got a lot of good material there Oh, God. Well, I mean, look, the one thing I've noticed, my daughter loves, like, raiding my suitcase and looking for pocket change when I come home. Okay. And she puts all her money in a little piggy bank, and I'm thinking, boy, oh, boy, maybe my daughter, maybe someday she'll end up on Wall Street. That'd be kind of cool. Right, right. You know, I really think that'd be, that'd be nice. We could use some compassion on Wall Street, because every time there's a scam or a scandal on Wall Street, it's always men. Men are ripping us off. Yeah. And I'd like to see more women represented on Wall Street. I'd like to see women as confident as men on Wall Street, so confident that they, too, have the ability to rip off the American public as much as men rip off the American public. Because I think when women do it, it'll only be 77 cents to the dollar that's that a man right. rips us off at. So. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so now talk about putting together this special. Do you try out material and then you pick out what's going to be part of it? How does the process work? Really, if it was up to me, it'd be a different special. But the audience ultimately picks out what okay. works and what doesn't. I've written so many jokes that I thought, oh, this is going to kill. This is going to do great. And it just bombs. And then there's other jokes that you think, ah, there's not much behind this premise, but I'll try it out. And then it spirals out of control into something else because okay. the audience just bites into the premise. Okay. So then now as far as, you know, pacing the show, does that take a while to place jokes in the right order? How does that work? Yeah, you want to structure it in a way where you're like, okay, what are some quick hits you can get out of the way up top that introduces yourself, but you're not telling a story out of the gates and waiting for five minutes to get to a punchline. So you kind of have quick hits up top, and then with this one, it was like, all right, let's talk about my wife first, and then we'll get into the kids, and then we send it off with a nice message at the end. Um, So there's definitely a structure to it, whereas in the past before, it was just like, here's a joke, and then here's another joke, and it was just kind of aimless, but now there's a little more direction okay comedian steve byrne here on the mulberry lane show is this done live one time oh well that's a good question uh no i did two tapings seven o'clock and nine o'clock i filmed in chicago at lincoln hall theater and it's a lot more intimate of a space you'll be able to hear like individual people's laughters and cackles and i think Mm. there's just more character to a show like that as opposed to like 
Madison Square Garden was just a nice. sea of laughs, and you uh-huh. really kind of missed the nuances of it all. Right. So, yeah, I, I did 7 and 9 o'clock, and really what we did was we just took the 7 o'clock taping and just used that because it was such a gangbusters okay. audience. Yeah. yeah, it's funny how sometimes it just works. And also it it was just the, works. the first time, too. Yeah, that's what I always said about my first appearance on your show. I said, it just works. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it, right? That's right. Okay. Now, you've done the TV series. You do these stand-up series periodically. You also go on tour. Is there any territory you have yet to conquer? Uh, film. <laughs> you know, I think we're close on getting a new TV show on the air yeah. that's really personal. And I, you know, I, I would just leave it at that because unless, you, you guys know, until the end dries, oh, yeah. you just want to jinx it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I'm just trying to do my best to uh, just create new venues for myself because, look, like you guys know, you're artists as well. Nobody owes you anything. It's up to you to be creative and put pen to paper, and that's ultimately what I'm doing. Yes, yeah, so you have to create the new opportunities, work really hard, and then do it again. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And the great nature of stand-up comedy is constant trial and error in front of 300 strangers a night that are going to see you either fail or succeed. So it's a very humbling profession. So are you comfortable with that now? Um, with bombing, yeah. I mean, bombing's <laughs> a part of it. So, I mean, that's why when I was single in New York City all those years, I never had a problem approaching a girl because if she said no, it's like, all right. I mean, I get, you know, 150, 200 people a night telling me no when I tell my jokes. Yeah. So. So it's never a big it's issue. Just for another me. one. <laughs> now, do you have Do you have any advice for some of our listeners who might be in a creative career and who have young kids and raising a family? Do you have any advice for them? I, I, my advice would just be give your kids all the attention in the world when you have the time with them, and the minute they go to bed, you could be lazy and watch TV or watch movies, but if you truly are inspired by your creative outlet, you'll use that time once they go to bed to really focus on your craft and go after it then, because, you know, it's so easy to ignore the kids and try to get some work done, but it's like, as we all know, that time just flies by. That's what everybody says to me, so I try to put my phone down, I hug them, I kiss them, let's play action figures, let's play tag, whatever, and the minute they go to bed, that's when I get to work. Uh, That's stellar advice. So in other words, you give up sleep. Yeah, I have no sleep. Yeah. (laughs) We get that. All right. Well, Steve, we want to thank you so much. Now, the show is Tell the Damn Joke, airing on demand on Showtime. And when the new series, when that ink dries, you got to call us back and let us know all about it. Oh, absolutely. Because i got to hear my newest ringtone. That's right. We'll have a whole new ringtone for you. All right. That's a deal. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Comedian Steve Byrne making it all work. Keep it right here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. We'll be right back with Chad Madsen, frontman of the band Unspoken. This world can be cold and bitter. Music, art, and lifestyle. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Well, last week you heard from Christian band Unspoken, Chad Matson, lead singer of the group, was here chatting all about their musical journey and his recovery from addiction. They've gone from barely making ends meet to having hits on the Christian charts. We're going to rejoin Chad right now and continue hearing all about Unspoken. Because of your background with addiction... Do you ever come up with a song idea that you think might be a little bit too dark to put out there? Do you ever wrestle in your head with what you want to put out there? I do, because at the same time, remember, I have an audience of people that 
I want to serve well. Right. But I also want to be true to who I am. Yes. Have there been songs that have been too dark that you're like, I really like these, but I'm not going to do it? There has. We have a song called My Recovery. Okay. And then we have a, a new song on our new record that's called Life in the Death of Me. And so, like, there's a song, a perfect example. It was in the running for the next single, which I thought was interesting because I didn't think the Christian radio would maybe embrace that darker side of, you know, I mean, at least the title, I found life in the death of me. Right. Of course, you know, Jesus said, unless you die to yourself, you can't be my disciple. You can't be in my family. You know, we have to die to ourselves. Like, we just wrote a song called Clean Conscience, and it doesn't have a resolve. It doesn't say, well, God, you know, you give me such and such. Which is hard, as a songwriter, it's hard to write music because people want to be encouraged, and we totally get that. But some songs are just about a specific emotion right. or a specific feeling. You don't get a lot of that in Christian music because yes. there always wants to be a resolve and a happy ending. And an answer. And exactly. And there are answers, but I'm thinking now not every song has to be answered. Sometimes it's just a dark time, period. Right. I was going to say, I think there's a whole audience of people who... You know, they don't feel like everything ends with the happy package all the time. So it's kind of nice to have music for those people as well. Right. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, that's everybody. Yeah, um, that's true. As a songwriter, it's, it's definitely a little bit harder of, of an angle to continue to pump out songs that are true, that are always encouraging. Because that's not what life is. You know, life is a lot of lows. There's a lot of disappointments. But God is still good. It doesn't mean he's not. Right. Um, Without sounding too much of a downer, but yet being real, but yet not putting a false positive on everything. Right. So in this next record that we're going to be writing, continue to write half the song straight down for our Christian audience, and then, and then other songs potentially for different seasons, you know, that don't have answers necessarily. Right. And you feel um, like that has worked well for you, even though your label was kind of against it. Sort of. Um I didn't come to this realization until the last few months. I just started talking to myself and said, what don't I like about some of the, you know, the Christian music that's out there? And, and even some of ours at times, you know, because I believe 100% Christian music. We have heard so many testimonies and, you know, it changes people's lives. I mean, God uses music in a way. It's that universal language. It's, it's an incredible tool. So we always want to be a part of that for right. sure. And so... All of our records are spiritual. We're spiritual, you know. It's experimenting with different ways to write different kinds of songs so that it can be more creative, you know. Oh, and you can, touch, you can touch more people as well. Right. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Chad Matson, lead singer of the Christian band Unspoken, here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Have you found that you've heard from fans and people who listen to your music who have had darker past maybe addiction drugs who do relate to your music because of your past absolutely yeah i mean addiction has touched everybody within an arm's reach yeah. you know mm-hmm. don't matter the, the most perfect family they've got an uncle they've got yeah. you know a best friend whatever mm-hmm. so i mean i feel like that's a big part of our audience i try not to alienate when i'm sharing my testimony you know it's like all of us are in recovery from something right you that's know true. all of us have need you know so, you know, we try to do that. I just happened to talk about my story. We get tons of response every single night. Every night, 
from, you know, parents who've got wayward kids or people who have struggled addiction themselves. We pray for a lot of people, all sorts of stuff. So I think it's really neat. I'm glad I was able to go through what I went through because really and truly God does take the stuff that we go through and use it for good. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the things that separates a believer from a non-believer. It's such a benefit mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of times when we see these broken things, they're just broken. That There's no good that can come out of it. But God has a totally different spin and the power to use those things for our benefit and for others' benefit. And so, usually a different timetable as well. Exactly. It's never in our time, but <laughs> we're not God. So. Right. And then do you feel, especially recently with the, uh, the suicides of Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington, do you feel like you know it's nice to be a group that offers some hope? Absolutely. And I think, you know, we were just talking about this this week. It was terrible on the road and just saying, man, you know, this world does not have what individuals are really looking for. I mean, these are guys that have had massive careers, Mm -hmm. tons of money, beautiful wives. I mean, you see it all the time in Hollywood. It's just such a farce that money and success and all of that is what really satisfies us as individuals deep inside. I believe 100% the only way to find that satisfaction, to find that hope, the peace, the purpose that all of us as human beings are looking for is Jesus. That's why we do what we're doing. That's one of the reasons that we're in it, because we were at such a dark place in our lives until, you know, God showed up and totally changed our lives around. That's why we play music. That's why we share the message. Right. Because we believe it's true and it works. There's a story in the Bible where uh, David and the king of Israel at the time, who was Saul, um, Saul had been disobedient time and time again to what the Lord called him to do, and finally God took his spirit from Saul and Saul was tormented and so what did he do you know he called in a musician to come play melodies you know on a harp Mm -hmm. and so like I'm thinking man the power of music as believers in Christian music definitely but just music in general I mean it doesn't say that Paul went out and called a priest and had him read the Tanakh you know the Hebrew scriptures right. to give him peace yeah. it had, he had a musician come in and it doesn't say David sang psalms or anything it just said he played beautifully on the harp and the spirits left uh-huh. so music is a powerful you know even the just melodies are powerful to the human heart and so we're just pumped to be a part of it on even a whole greater level with the lyric being involved and pointing people to the hope we have in Jesus. Wow, that's awesome. I really like that. Well, Chad, we want to thank you so much for joining the show. Great hearing about the band. And what do you hope people take away after watching Unspoken? You know, I I know people will come away encouraged. We hope to give hope and inspire people with the Spirit of God, but then also a few tools to continue that, to make that inspiration, perspiration, really, and to see people's lives change around. Because it doesn't happen overnight. This is a whole lifelong journey. Heaven knows we all need more tools to help us in our lives, so I'm happy. We do. I need so many, exactly. (laughs) Always good to get some new ones. Thanks, Chad. Chad Matson of the band Unspoken here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Start a fire in my soul, fan the flame and make it grow. So there's no doubt or denying, let it burn so bright.
Jackson with the band Unspoken. Thanks, Chad, for bringing your brand of Christian music and your uplifting thoughts about being real. Yes, and you guys got to download Unspoken's latest album, Follow Through. And as I like to say, you can follow through on that. (laughs) Who else do we need to thank, Allie? Okay, well, at the beginning of our show today, we brought to you a special interview rerun as a tribute to the late, great Glenn Campbell, who passed away earlier this week. So today, you heard about the Glenn Campbell film, All Be Me. You heard from Glenn's wife, Kim Campbell, his daughter, Ashley Campbell, and the producer of the film, James Keach and the producer and co-writer of the powerful song I'm Not Gonna Miss You Julian Raymond so a sincere thanks to James Kim Ashley and Julian for coming on the Mulberry Lane show our thoughts and prayers are with you during this difficult time thanks for keeping Glenn's legacy alive and for bringing awareness to Alzheimer's through music and a beautiful film Rachel a big thank you to comedian Steve Byrne thanks Steve for bringing some laughs to the show today remember to check out his special on Hulu and Showtime On Demand tell the damn joke check it out Allie okay finally John Cooper of the band Skillet thanks for coming on our show today and you know he really keeps it real and genuine in the Christian music industry love how he's merging his genre with hard rock definitely a trailblazer and genre bender magic (laughs) all right so guys you know the drill same time same place same sisters next weekend we'll meet you right here we'll have more stories more guests more music more inspiration well that's it for this episode Bo, stay happy and stay blessed Allie don't forget to be awesome Rachel that's a wrap Baby, take a breath, just say yes. Baby, say yes.